you can have something that is just spicy or just difficult. Mm-hmm. But if it's just spicy with no flavor, it's not fun. And if it's, it's just difficult test. without the good like game design underneath it, it's not fun. So mm-hmm. yeah, there is a difference between just like on the axes of like spice and flavor. And when you mm-hmm. get more spice, you get more flavor out of it. I like for me that that's just Thai food all the way is like more spice, more flavor. It's directly proportional. There are some foods where it's like, this is just spicy mm-hmm. and I'm not having fun. Yeah. So what I'm saying is I like it when my ramen has good game design in it. Um. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Overly Sarcastic Podcast. I am Blue, and I'm joined by Red. I've been doing a lot of nerd homework this week, so my head's full of Twilight Zone episodes and Renaissance sword fighting techniques. <laughs> Two very different mental spaces to be occupying. Oddly, not that much overlap between them now that I think about it. Yeah. <laughs> Both very nerdy and very homework, but not anywhere near on the same axis. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I had some uh, some nerd homework of my own. Uh, Indigo and I were at uh, VidCon in Baltimore over yeah. the past weekend. Well, weekend before last, mm. at time of uh, recording. Uh, but we had a little uh, little panel at VidCon that we moderated um, with some some cool educational creators, which was a nice little fun time. Mm. And then I gave a talk about uh, historical storytelling. AKA, there are better historians than me, so what am I doing? Um, which which comes to a very is interesting conclusion that I'm actually very proud of. Uh, but it was a really fun talk at the uh, Enoch Pratt Free Library in Baltimore. Uh, got like 100 or so people uh, come to, to see the talk. Um, really, really fun to interact with everybody who came. Um, whether you came uh, early or stuck around to say hi, take pictures afterwards, or were just there for the talk itself. Um, it was like an hour of a talk and then an hour of like really great Q&A, honestly. Oh. I had a blast with that. So it was uh, it was a fun time. Indigo, what was uh, what was your experience like? I had a good time. I was sort of just uh, tagging along in the back end of it. I was also at a VidCon um, helping to moderate the panel, which was a really neat experience. I'd never been on a panel before. So this was a, a real trial by fire to uh, mm-hmm. be on the same panel as such names as uh, Casual Geographic and Dr. Mike and all them. But uh, it was still a very good time. Uh, and it was really fantastic to meet all the uh, listeners that we did. Um, did a little pen swap with one listener. And I am, in fact, using that pen right now. So if you're Ooh. listening, I got it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> And uh, yeah, just it was, it was a good time. It's always fun to do these events in person where you get to actually yeah. see uh, who's been listening to the nonsense that we just throw out into the void. <laughs> yeah, it was uh, it was it was a very fun experience to be able to uh, see so many people in person and chat and hang out, uh, make jokes, uh, pull up the Brian David Gilbert Old Bay jingle on my oh, laptop right. <laughs> as I was prepping my uh, my yes. my presentation, and people were talking about Old Bay because someone uh, in the audience was kind enough to, to gift me the requisite, uh, welcome to Baltimore, here's your tin of Old Bay. Um, so someone's like, oh, it's just like the Brian David Gilbert thing, and someone's like, the what? And I'm like, hold on, hold on, we can solve this. <laughs> so I, I played it on the projector, and my dad walked in, and he was like, what are you doing? You know what, never mind, you're having fun. Um, so that was fun. He really enjoyed being able to... Uh, uh, see that happen because he sees all the videos, mm. but he never gets to like see me perform in that capacity. So that was uh, probably more fun for him than it was for me, and I had a blast. So that's Aww. that's definitely saying something. But uh, yeah, it was a good time. But uh, yeah. in between all of that, we had some videos going up uh, on the channel as well. So yeah. uh, Red, where should we start? Oh my God, what video did I do this week? <laughs> you had the boy who found fear at last. Right? <laughs> yeah, that was. 
fun. It, it's been a lot. I'm great, but I had like five days of like sub five hour sleep. So it's, it's, it all sort of built up. Um, we should start with yours. Chronologically sure. speaking, it just makes sense. Fair enough. Fair enough. So my video was the Byzantines re-summarized uh, all 44 minutes of it, or I guess 43, uh, <laughs> oh, when I finally came to, yeah, a huge difference important. at that yeah. point. You know, I've been used to doing like, you know, nine minute videos, 12 minute videos, mm -hmm. 42 minute videos. <laughs> <laughs> and I'd, I'd been kind of like tweaking the script over the course of the last year to like, you know, change some things, add some details, simplify a few things, tweak some, some mistakes, uh, or, or unclear statements I made, uh, like the goof of uh, calling uh, Justin Justinian's father adoptively, yes, biologically, uncle. Uh, ah, so like, yeah, oh. fix that, mm -hmm. uh, stuff like that. Um, so, uh, you know, make those kinds of edits, but also like adding in a bunch of extra details, like talking more about um, the other civilizations on the Byzantine periphery, like uh, talking more about the Persians and that relationship and how fascinating of a dynamic that was, as well as what the Ottomans were like and how if you like squint, their relationship to the Byzantines is very similar to how the Goths took over the old Roman Empire. It's, it's like when you have that long of a narrative, you can really see some interesting parallels over this huge, huge arc. So I had a great time adding more details to the script where by the time it was done, it was the three scripts from the original three videos put together, you know, Byzantine Rise, Byzantine Golden Age, Fall of the mm -hmm. Byzantines, and then probably a, a fourth extra whole video's worth of bonus material that I threw in there, kind of sprinkled throughout. So I, I saved some time on, you know, not having to rewrite all of the script from scratch. I, I wrote basically one metric video's worth and then did editing and like visuals and maps for four metric videos worth. Yeah. So I was pulling like eight or 10 hour days for a good long while. Usually I do not work myself that hard. Mm -hmm. But in the case like this, it's the kind of thing where like, I know I'm really only gonna do something like this kind of once. So I might as well just put my whole ass into it. But also it's so exciting and so just energizing to work on that like usually, you know, I work for a little while, like I work for an hour, like and take a 10 minute break, like work for an hour, take a 20 minute break or whatever. This was just like I sit down and I break to get more tea and like food every five hours. And then I just keep going. So yeah. fundamentally, I was like triple productive because I was working for longer and I just wasn't stopping because I was like, I'm doing it. This is great. Yeah. It's the kind of like 115% investment in a project that you absolutely cannot mistake for your baseline. Like getting 100% is hard enough, let alone like above that. Um, and if I did that more, uh, I would explode and die. Um, yeah. But <laughs> it was really satisfying to to put that together, to have that exist, and to prove to myself that I could, yeah. um, it was really, really something that was deeply satisfying to, to create this whole narrative on a scale that I've never really done before um, at this bar of, of quality. And I, I'm very, very pleased with how it turned out. And the, the fan reaction was, you know, incredible. Everyone yeah. was super jazzed about it. Um, viewership was was great. Uh, I was not <laughs> expecting that, but it, it was uh, the top of my uh, top of my pack and uh, coming right along with the trope talks in the little like the YouTube yeah. gives you your like top 10 last videos and how mm -hmm. how it stacks up. And it was like right along with those. So it was uh, it was great. Um, I, I cannot say enough good things about how much I enjoyed uh, working on this video, it was it was truly a special one, but the rare kind of project that that takes basically everything you can give it. And mm -hmm. if I wasn't 
absolutely busting my butt to get this done on time, uh, it would not have been done on time. <laughs> no, I, the whole time you were working on it, uh, I, I was like noticing like, oh, that was another like much longer, denser work day. And <laughs> I think like like around like a weekend, you were like, I don't know how much longer I can keep up this pace. And I was like, yeah, seeing this from the outside is a little more alarming. Than, um, oh, gosh. Uh, and I also, because you were like, honestly, this is like my passion thing. Like, I don't know if, you know, I'm just going to be glad that it exists. And then it was like, oh, it's like just whoop, up the curve. It's, going it's well. doing well. You're actually what? getting rewarded for this. This isn't just some like horrible self-destructive vanity project. <laughs> oh, dope. <laughs> One of the uh, truly incredible things that we've lucked into with with the way that we've done the channel is that uh, most of the people who've stuck with us for this long like our passion projects more than anything else we do. Like yeah. however much, however enthusiastic we are about it is how enthusiastic the gang gets. And that's just, we're so lucky. Like, holy yeah. shit, that's the actual dream for any creative type is like, I want people to love the things that I love the most. I, I think that would be nice. And uh, finding those people is a rare treat. Uh, yeah. So thank y'all. Yeah, it's uh, very rewarding to have that uh, all that effort expenditure be be rewarded back with uh, mm-hmm. love and adoration for for the work. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I was able to actually talk about it a little bit in the context of my my presentation uh, in Baltimore, where I was kind of giving a little bit of like case studies of how I construct the narratives in different videos. One of which was the uh, the Ukrainian cathedral mm-hmm. um, and how I did the research process on that. One was how I told the story for. Um, the birth of Rome video and like, okay, I, I'm basically taking two sentences in my original Roman Republic video and building that out to 10 whole minutes. How do I discuss that topic? And then the mm-hmm. third one was like, here's a case study for what happens when I don't have to exercise any restraint. And I can just like, if this is a thing that I think is interesting, it's going in the video. It's not like usually I have to kind of like balance like tone and pacing and a lot of things to make it make sense and make it flow. And with this, it's like, it is such a comprehensive story that I don't need to worry about the same kind of like, oh, will this fit? It's like, no, I'm talking about basically everything that I can think of to talk about. So yeah, this fits. Mm -hmm. Um, And then being able to put those things together and have like, things from part one talk to things from part three. So comparing the like the fall of the Western Roman Empire to, in a very meaningful way, the kind of relationship that the Ottomans had to the Byzantines, where they're basically their federati, kind of like what the Goths were. That's really, really cool. And contrasting that with what the Persians were like in the early phases of the Byzantine Empire, where they were essentially the two eyes of the world. And there was this like respect among, uh, you know, equal competitors of like, ah, yes, you are, you are noble and you kick my ass, but we respect each <laughs> Other. And with the Ottomans, it's like, we're just going to kind of take what you got here. Uh, we like your system. Um, and it's it's cool to see the differences, the similarities, the, the, the things that we can do from a, a much larger narrative and plan things in part one, pay them off in part three, plan things in part two, pay them off in part three, plan part one, you know, pay off part two, those kinds mm-hmm. of things. And just have a really, really nice time and be able to do things like... I was just going to put Theodora's, you know, badass speech to Justinian in text on the screen. And I thought, you know what? I should I should read this out loud. It is that cool. <laughs> and it's like, I don't have to worry about the time. I'm just I'm just going to read it. And I can I can do that. And, you know, however much time it takes to, to put that in the video for editing and stuff doesn't matter. And then if I also want to go off and like yell, yes, Basileus slay that I can put that in the video. I can edit that in. So it was just 
uh, the apotheosis of what I can do when I am very excited and completely unrestrained uh, mm -hmm. in my enthusiasm. <laughs> it's a rare script that we just don't cut down at any point. Yeah. Like, there's been a few things where I'm like, I need to get, you know, I, this is a video that, like, like when we were still taking Patreon suggestions, it's like, okay, I want... I'm going to do this video. You can say Gretir. <laughs> I can say Gretir. The, the first draft of Gretir was seven pages long, which at the speed that I talk would have translated into like 20 minutes plus longer maybe. And uh, that uh, that would have been a lot more visuals, a lot more time spent on something that had already taken so much time and energy. Yeah. Uh, and I was like, here, please get this down to five pages. And you were like... Get the machete out. Let's you go. You got it, boss. <laughs> so you hear chop shop sounds in the background. <laughs> Power tools revving up. Um, yeah. So yeah. Uh, I'm 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 deeply thrilled, uh, deeply touched by the response. Uh, it was it was good. Uh, it is the kind of thing that I can uh, only do fundamentally once. Uh, at least like once a year. Uh, yeah. But <laughs> when when we can pull it off. Oh boy, is it good! Um, oh, yeah. But let's uh, let's change tacks. Let's go a little further northwest. Uh, in or actually no, because this folktale is originally Turkish. You said theoretically, so we're just going straight east. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah. In the exact opposite direction, I wanted something short and sweet and fun. Uh, <laughs> I've uh, I I don't tend to like just sit down with folktale compilations and just read through them on in my off time uh it would probably be smart for me to do that to you know build up my knowledge as aforementioned nerd homework uh but the the convenient thing is that like in the 1800s there was this huge boom of like like people just compiling all these you know folklore bibles and uh the uh Andrew Lang made like 15 of them and they're all color coded. Uh, and, and then he like ran out of primary colors and started doing other stuff. Uh, and I initially thought like, oh, Olive Fairy Book, that lines up. And then it was like, it's all like Mediterranean folktales. And I was like, is it Olive because Medi because the Mediterranean? Is that, is that? <laughs> okay. Um, <laughs> but, you know, a lot of them, you can kind of get a little something from the title. It's like, okay, it's like, this is a funny animal story or like, oh, this is a wacky little tale about like a big spooky woods and small child, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and I was like, oh, boy, who found fear? Oh, yeah, I'll just speed through that real quick. And I was like, oh, this is fun. Oh, this is weird. And then as soon as I got to the last bit with the pigeons, I was yeah. like, I've got to do this one. I've got to draw this. <laughs> um, exact same energy as the Norse seal fight video where I was yeah. like, that visual is worth the, all the energy I'm going to have to put in this. Just I, the privilege of getting to draw that. I loved seeing on the subreddit someone posted uh, the, the pigeon shot where uh -huh. it's just like all these pigeons on this poor boy, like the scene from this mm -hmm. video. And the title was like, what is happening here? Wrong answers only. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. There's a... It's like the exact opposite of that like meme format where it's like, what's an opinion you have that gets you like this? And then it's like a shot of a person <laughs> surrounded by knives. But it's, yeah. oh man. Um, but yeah, the, the funny thing is there's like a more well-known Boy Who Found Fear folk, folktale. Uh, it was on like Jim Henson's The Storyteller or something like that. And a lot of people were like, oh, I know this one. And then we're like, edit, I was incorrect. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's just, 
Yeah, this one's weird. It's like, you know, 12 books into the, the various fairy books uh, by, by Andrew Lang. You know, most people don't read those bad boys cover to cover. Uh, to my knowledge, this one didn't really have many other adaptations. I I do a quick, like, check whenever I'm doing one of these folktales. I do a quick look for, like, okay, what are alternate tellings of this? Like, if this was translated into English, what's the source tale? Did they, like, get this from another book? Can I read that book? Usually the answer is no, but, like, it's good to know. Um that's how you get the weird cases, like with Tokoyo and the Sea Monster, where it's like, couldn't find source, I think. Uh, I, I think that's the correct one, where I was like, I went looking and there's nothing, but I hope I he so. didn't make this shit up. Um, but, you know, you never know. And uh, there were a few people in the comments who were like, I heard a version of this one. Or, or like, I, I've heard something like this. It's got a slightly different ending or or something like that. And apparently the uh, fearless boy or like fearless child motif is kind of common. It, it pops up in a lot of different places, uh, which I think is just very cute. Because honestly, when you're like taxonomically breaking down the lineage of folktales, little idiot goes off and gets himself into trouble is like primo scene setting right yeah. there it's like the baby's first hero's journey oh i want to go out into the wide scary world and experience its terrors for myself hell yeah um but this one is just the funniest because of the moral of like oh the greatest terror of all geopolitical responsibility <laughs> no <laughs> the most fearsome thing imaginable a job <laughs> sacred pigeons yeah so that was just so fun um and obviously, nice and short, bite-sized. Most folk tales are. Even the longer ones tend to boil. The longer ones, the thing is, they tend to kind of repeat themselves after a while. A lot yeah. of folk like a lot of folk tales are very modular. Is probably the best way to put it. Um, there's a reason why, uh, like the the various. Uh, like numerical breakdowns of folklore motifs are a thing that like can you even can happen. You can do, yeah, because yeah, it's really like the, these like you know building blocks of of storytelling. And one of the ways that you can trace how a story has like changed or moved around is by noticing highly specific building blocks that turn up. There was um I uh, I took a class on Balkan folklore in college at one point, and uh, we were discussing how there were a few different stories that had this theme of like. Uh, three pearls are on a dish and the pearls are crushed and turned into children. And this pops up in a few different places. And it's like, that's a little too oddly specific to have just manifested independently in these three different stories. They probably share a common ancestor, something like that. Um, it's just so interesting to me how when you boil down almost everything in the space of storytelling, it starts turning into biology. <laughs> it's like, well, yeah. it mutated after a generation when it <laughs> when it was retold. Uh, it adapted to this new situation. Uh, it, it split into two stories, and one of them focused on this, and another one added that. It's just, I don't know. I just think it's really neat. Um, and this one is just a weird little nugget of, of wackiness, and I had a lot of fun with every step of this process, reading through it, even the note-taking, and like, how do I script this out in a nice two-page bite-sized number so everyone can know how silly this thing is. <laughs> uh, and I really enjoyed watching it as well. It was it was a fun one. Just the, yes. the, the balance of pure terror and whimsy, but... The audience is experiencing one, and the protagonist is experiencing the other <laughs> yeah. until it flips. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I, I always kind of 
relish the chance to draw spooky stuff. Um, this, uh, I guess, uh, spoiler alert, this year I do not have a, a Halloween special, like a long one like I've done in some previous years planned. I sort of broken it up into this one is my, my Halloween-themed folktale, and then I have a sort of Halloween-themed trope talk uh, in, a, in a couple weeks. And uh, But the, the treat of doing the Halloween videos is getting to draw scary shit because you know most of what i draw is not that most of it is cute little chibis or hot people and now it's like the thing i, I someone on tumblr asked me like yeah you seem to like really like drawing body horror and i was like look when you've studied anatomy this long to figure out how to do it right you start relishing the chances to do it fucked up in evil style okay yeah. like i you know i know how the bones are supposed to go together <laughs> but what if they didn't and my job got easier <laughs> you know um, but yeah, it's weirdly easy to draw scary things. Uh, just, just a little bit fucked up from the norm. Uh, eyes, a little bit small, a little bit bright, instant way to make things pretty spooky. Um, that's why I had so much fun drawing Gret here after, you know, I, I got over the initial hump of like, oh God, there's so much to read. It was like, oh, I get to just draw spooky, like rotting slime zombies for like the entire video with like <laughs> Shadow of the Colossus eyes. Fuck yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, they like, are Shadow of the Colossus eyes, aren't they? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the, there are many ways to make eyes glow. The absolute scariest option is make the iris glow and not the pupil. Uh, which is why the Green Lantern live action movie picked the exact wrong way. Because that's what they do. They, they're like, they, they white out Hal Jordan's eyes, but not his pupils. He looks like he has zombie eyes. It's the weirdest choice they could have done. Like, glow from the pupil kind of makes you feel like there's inner power, like leaking out anywhere it can. Whole eye glow, that's great. That's super kosher. Iris only glow with the pupil as like a little black dot in the middle. It's so unsettling. Uh, and that's that's what I chose to do for the the spooky Zambos in Gretir because it was the creepiest possible option and uh, they look great in the otherwise rotting black silhouette that I picked for the the Draugr and stuff like that. Honestly, half the fun of that was just that I didn't need to like detail the figures. I could just draw the the shape and then just fuck it up and then just kind of it's like a big black ooze silhouette. It's fun. No, it's it's I, perfect. You leave uh, the the horrific implication of bone composition up to the viewer. Mm-hmm. And then for this one, it was like okay, one of these is spooky, like a spooky zombie lady, and then the others are just like regular pretty girls. So I was just like, okay, yeah, I'll just draw them like that. I guess one of them's a little bit mermaidy. Um, <laughs> I like but, the yeah. uh, the kid on the swing set. That's not. <laughs> yeah, I, I also like the uh, the prop kid on the swing set. Um, folk tales are so fun. They have their own logic, and that they don't have any logic, but you sort of get a feel for them after a while. If this was a cartoon, like on a TV show, mm. we would later see that kid and the like the the ghost lady like playing cards, and the kid's got like a New York gangster voice and is smoking a cigar, <laughs> but is still like a child shape. The kid goes full Who Framed Roger Rabbit. <laughs> yeah, 100%. Okay. No, you're absolutely right. You're so right. That's exactly the vibe. Hey, lady, oh I thought gosh. we almost got that guy in. Now we're going to try a little harder next time. <laughs> Look, I'm telling you, the scam works better if you keep your mouth shut. Hey, what? Oh, why do you hire me anyway? Anyway, so, God, fuck. Uh, so, yeah. <laughs> we had a fun couple of weeks there. Good. Um, uh, <laughs> just under 50 minutes of video content between us. <laughs> hey, you know, pushing it over the line is the hardest part. Look, the first 44 minutes are just for practice. <laughs> <laughs> it's like what they say with the last point two miles is what gets you on the marathon no uh-huh, i'm uh, uh-huh. i'm i'm going on my uh my way too long videos era because i had the last detailed diatribe about um 
uh, about Stray Gods. I've got this video. And then the one that we recorded on Friday yeah. um, may break a detailed diatribe record. We'll see how aggressively I edit it. I can't believe you were like, yeah, I think this one's going to be a crisp half hour. I was like, no, this is the only thing you've talked about for a week. <laughs> There's no way this is going to be a half hour. Oh, my gosh. Anyway, uh, yeah. we don't have any announcements this week. So no. uh, I guess Thank you can... for watching. That's our announcement. Yeah, we love you guys. Switch over to the Q&A portion. Woo! Hello and welcome to the Q&A portion of the Overly Sarcastic Podcast, where we answer your questions from Ask OS Pod on Discord. This first question comes from one of our lovely patrons. If you'd like to support the podcast, support the channel, consider becoming a patron for a chance to have your question read first on a future episode. This first question comes from Luinator to everyone except Indigo, which is why I'm asking this question because it's not directed at me. Uh, in the last After After Show show, Blue commented on Indigo, quote unquote, living on the edge because she got a daring haircut before VidCon. What extreme things are you doing to live on the edge? So what are your daring haircut equivalents? That's a fun hmm. question. Uh I signed up for a my... renaissance sword fighting class, so I, I've been living at the edge of a knife all week. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, um, my my most on the edge choice for this season is probably my decision to engage in a video that is fully four times longer than my usual <laughs> uh, fare, while still writing one video's worth of new script, hmm. and then uh, hoping to God that I could get that done inside of three weeks. I did, but goddamn, I just as easily could have not. Oh yeah, yeah, uh, <clears throat> yeah. Um, I have gotten my video schedule to the point where after, like, next week, I should be in a position where the only thing I need to focus on for the entire rest of the year is the visuals for the next Journey to the West. Uh, so, <laughs> fingers crossed that giving my brain one thing to focus on for two months doesn't bite me in the ass. <laughs> um, yeah, uh... Yeah, hopefully that's good. Oh, I'm also going to be reading Watership Down, which I know oh, is one God. of those like childhood trauma books, but like I it's for research it's purposes. Just well, a dense yes, it's also to dense. read for research purposes. Oh, on the subject of dense, I have the audiobook of The Silmarillion queued up. I wasn't kidding about this being the nerd homework week. I'm just I'm broadening <laughs> my horizons, you know. I love that I used nerd homework to define Dune once on a podcast with you like a year ago, and it has since entered the lexicon. <laughs> I swear I've used it outside of that context, but I, I don't know. The thing is, like, I, I grew up in nerdy spaces, and as soon as I heard the term nerd homework defined, I was like, that's it. That's the word for so much of the stuff I've dealt with, where it's like, this is in the nerd space. And if you don't know what it is to a degree where, like, you could be quizzed on it, you're not going to know what's going on in a lot of these things. But, like, it's, it's also just more broad than that. Like, Twilight Zone inspired, like, a whole genre of, like, you know, weird psychological thriller stuff. And it's it's kind of good to know, you know, it's good to know your roots. It's good to know the tropes that evolved in certain things. The Silmarillion is, like, the lore bible for the thing that defined the entire genre of fantasy. It's kind of interesting to see how that worked. Although I'll admit, uh, I got through, like, the first two hours of it. So, like, you know, three chapters. Um, <laughs> and I spent most of it just kind of, like, zoning out as, like, the, this... A list of names and beautiful poetical descriptions and a bunch of trees and then holy shit was that Gandalf and then back to like <laughs> more names and, uh, and then there yeah. were two more trees and it was pretty tight and I'm like oh, wow 
to, to Tolkien's credit, he's damn consistent. One of the first things that happened in the conversation between the Valar was like, oh, your children are going to fuck up all my trees, man. Well, what do you suppose we should do to protect those very valuable trees? Well, I think we should put in more trees, but these ones should walk and have opinions. Okay, more trees it is. <laughs> Say what I like you will that about you're the in your nerd consistent. homework era because October is usually a film nerd homework month for me because horror is one of the genres I have the least exposure to so I always yeah. try to like re-up it a little bit every year like I just watched Evil Dead 2 which is incredibly funny the ending of that movie hit me like a truck uh, <laughs> <laughs> do you care oh, about no. spoilers because it's incredibly funny no I don't care uh, Tell me. so the whole time Ash is in this cabin fighting the Evil Dead which is this big ambiguous zombie spirit force thing they send mm-hmm. it through a portal they're like sending it it was like, it's gone now. We've, we've unsummoned it. We've read the right passage of the Necronomicon. It's gone. But Ash gets pulled into the portal too. And then he ends up in like medieval times, uh, <laughs> shoots a witch with a shotgun. And uh-huh. then he's just like in in the, like the Crusades or something. And the movie just ends. Like that's the, le- the last five minutes. It's great. Fantastic. I haven't seen any other Evil Dead movies. I've only seen Evil Dead 2. And I think that is the right approach to take. Was it a movie struck thing? No, me and my boyfriend were just sitting around like, you watch Evil Dead 2 right now? I heard it's very funny. And it's great, like fantastic. <laughs> yeah. We watched uh, Abbott and Costello meet Frankenstein the night before. So oh, we're yeah. continuing a theme. That's a classic. Um, mm. I but, saw the, um, the original like Wolfman, like oh, one that of the earliest something. Wolfman. Uh, and it 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 was weird. Uh, there were it, most of it was bad, and then there was one bit where I was like, "That was a really like impressive shot to make him look like he's transformed." They yeah. they do this in a few places. They actually did it in a Twilight Zone episode I just watched, where like the character is walking in a straight line, but like pillars or something are between the camera and the person, and every time he passes behind a pillar, his like makeup and outfit changes just a mm-hmm. little bit. Um, yeah, it was it was a fun effect. I've seen the music a couple yeah. times, but the first Wolfman movies cool. are good for if you want to see cool practical effects and not great if you want like a really good movie to watch. like I, there's some of them are like frankenstein is notably i think still holds up pretty well in terms of being entertaining to watch uh but wolfman he's had some rough ones <laughs> yeah <laughs> he's um, kind of going through some stuff right now <laughs> that's sort of the whole wolfman plot isn't it yeah, it's just, yeah. he's going through something <laughs> he's just going through it uh, but we've got more questions to get to. This one comes from Agent Havoc. Speaking of going through things, we're going to go through some questions. Uh, to all, I am studying to be a vocalist, and with the seasons changing, my own voice is starting to be affected by the weather. As YouTubers, presenters, and musicians, I'm curious how you all take care of your voices, both speaking and singing. Huh. Honey. <laughs> Honey's good, yeah. Um, so... I had the flu a few weeks back. Uh, wouldn't recommend it. This season, it's hitting pretty hard. Uh, I, there, there's a chance that I've I've got something along those lines right now. Yeah. Oh, no. Um, and th- this season, the way it manifested is day one, sore throat, and then the symptoms just kind of migrated up until I had a sinus headache, and then they went away. Uh, and the whole time that I had it, I was just chugging throat coat tea, uh, which is disgusting. Throat coat is one of the most vile substances ever concocted it's like slippery elm and black licorice and other things that you don't want to put in your body but they're really soothing so it's it like all good medicines if you're healthy it's too disgusting for you to ever want to deal with but if you're sick enough to need it you don't care yeah. um so so that's good stuff uh there's a few i feel like we're gonna need to like delve because there are things that we think are probably like common sense but just because you know we, we've been in this for a while like general principle you shouldn't drink milk uh or like any anything similarly dairy-ish before you record because it's mucus forming uh and it just kind of 
you know, clogs up the pipes a little bit. You don't think it's a problem, and then you're, like, talking for half an hour, and like, you're like, oh, no. it's it's a problem. It's a little yeah. bit of a problem. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I mean, some people, there's, like, a gradient here. This is, like, all audiophile stuff. Some <laughs> stuff, there's, like, a baseline level of, like, drink tea, you know, stay hydrated. Just, just hydrate in general, general. yeah. Hy- hydrate in general, you know, drink tea. Uh, try not to, like, cough too aggressively. Try not to, like... There are, like, safe ways to, like, be very loud. Uh, if you're, like, doing voice acting or, uh, or like, screamo metal, the two contexts in which you might need to scream a whole bunch, uh, <laughs> there are ways to do it safely without just shredding your vocal cords because being too loud or too aggressive can actually, like, damage stuff in there and, and cause lasting issues. But there are also safe ways to do it. Uh, but there are, like, specific techniques for that. Um which I don't know because that's not really in my wheelhouse most of the time. Uh, yeah. But yeah, and then some people are like, I put a wet washcloth over my nose and mouth every time I fly because the air is too dry and I cannot risk damaging this Stradivarius I keep in my chest cavity. And it's like, okay. That's like uh, people who are um, hand models, so they wear gloves whenever they go outside mm-hmm. lest mm-hmm. the sun touch. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, you know, we joke, but if that's your whole career yeah. like you gotta <laughs> yeah yeah exactly yeah um, um I, but for the most yeah sorry go ahead i was gonna say i on rolling with difficulty i play a character named danny and danny has a voice that sounds like this and it's kind of annoying to do long term because it's basically just like forcing air through my throat uh and now i've gotten to the point where i can do it without causing myself physical pain and the way that i think that i've found that that works is just to practice doing the voice a whole heck of a lot because eventually mm-hmm. my body just sort of settled into here's how we can comfortably do this voice as opposed to the like pushing to the limits that we were doing earlier. Uh, yeah. So in a weird way, practice makes perfect. <laughs> no, that, that's that's yeah. legitimate advice. When you're like honing a new voice, it's generally suggested that like you, you just stay in the voice for a while. You sort of feel it out. If it's hurting in any way or pushing, like you can kind of feel before it becomes pain. There's ways where it like becomes pressure. You can sort of like ease it back if necessary. Uh, and then like use the voice to do things like read the back of a cereal box, you know, like usually the the thing is like all characters that you play a voice that you do is going to be a tiny tiny subset of the full range of your voice and Mm -hmm. within that you have to be able to use that subset of your voice to do things like express various emotions and and sentiments and stuff like that for it to be usable as a character voice uh and that kind of means that you need to you need to you need to gauge how flexible that voice is like can you use it to express these emotions can you use it to read these sounds stuff like that um, and the more you practice with it, the more you'll like work out the kinks and be like, okay, it can't do that, but I can like nudge it a little bit and then it'll let me do that. Uh, but yeah, mostly just hydrate, drink tea when necessary, uh, and don't drink milk right before recording. No, yeah. The short answer is tea, maybe some honey in that. And you probably just, just be chugging that all season. <laughs> hope yeah, for the yeah. best. Um, we got more questions to get through. This one comes from Tango Rex to Blue. How did you end up falling in love with the subject of history? Was it a good teacher, an interesting fact you found, or was it just one of those things that was always a part of who you are? I'm mainly curious because the reason I appreciate history at all is because of a great college professor who was truly passionate about his subject. Shout out, Professor Johnson. Mm-hmm. Professor Johnson, straight, straight Doing boss. Doing job at place. Yeah. yeah. Johnson, <laughs> love that guy. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> Or rather, teaching subject at university, I guess. Yeah, whatever. Um, <laughs> permutations of the joke. But yeah, I definitely was not interested in, in history all my life. And for the longest time, I thought the entire concept of Greece was stupid and boring <laughs> and annoying. Because I 
was taken there uh, every summer to sit in my grandparents' like guest room for mm-hmm. like two straight weeks, and that's not fun. That's not a way to engage with the culture in a in a healthy and enjoyable way. No. So my first, it, it kind of came in waves. My first interest in a thing that was historical was like playing the first Assassin's Creed game, playing AC two, then getting much more interested in like, oh, Italy is is neat. The first time I really connected with it in a school context was when I was reading um, The Prince by Machiavelli for class at the same time that I was playing Assassin's Creed Brotherhood. Mm -hmm. So I had this moment of like, oh, I not only have the context for like when this thing was written and the kind of person who wrote it, but I feel like I have much more of a personal understanding of what's going on here with the written work, but also the character in the game because I can see these two together. So it's like not just, oh, I know who Machiavelli is and he wrote this thing. And it's not just like, oh, I'm playing a game where my character is friends with Machiavelli. It's my personal friend Machiavelli wrote The Prince <laughs> by way of, of, you know, playing as Ezio in the games. And that was this huge moment of like, oh, wait, I can I can see the connections and pull things together and actually have this like point A, point B. Oh, I see how these things relate rather than just this exists in a vacuum and that exists in a vacuum and American history is boring and yada, yada, yada. So mm-hmm. that was the first moment, um, like my sophomore year of, of high school, that I really was like, oh, well, this is cool. Um, but in terms of like really getting deeply into history, that came in college when I had um, a university lecture about the Peloponnesian War in ancient Greece and how Athens as a uh, bleh, Athens as a state and a society and as a culture worked and the smart things they did and the dumbass things they did and that was so intricate and fascinating and compelling as a story that it compelled me to make a video about it, which became the first video of mine that went on the channel. So that was like the final moment where I was like, okay, I'm in now. Um, The first time it happened was with um, Machiavelli in high school. Um, And then the first like proper time that I I was like, oh, this this can be cool. History can be interesting was the first time that I played, you know, AC1 and AC2. So it, it came in stages. It wasn't all at once, but it was not there from the start. Yeah. Extremely cool. Uh, well, it is spooky season, and so in honor of that, we are going to have something of a spookier question. Uh, yes. This one comes from MacVR. To all with the Halloween season fast approaching, what is you guys' favorite horror movie slash Halloween episode of a TV show? Personally, a few favorites of mine are Alien, 2020's The Invisible Man, and the Pierre Lafoe episode of Cowboy Bebop. Do so you have any yeah. favorite uh, haunting TV show episodes or Halloween horror movies? I have to look up exactly which X-Files episode I'm thinking of, but I do have one that was immediately in mind when I read this question. You got to go for Over the Garden Wall, of course. Yeah, I mean, of course. Uh, Over the Garden Wall has the distinction of being an entire Halloween-themed 10-episode miniseries, and it's perfect. It's a perfect piece of media, and I revisit it every year, and it's so fun. Uh, but I almost don't count it. It's too perfect. Uh, and it's in the same like box in my head that I keep all my scary godmother comics, you know, or it's like, it's fundamentally of Halloween and it's so foundational to my psyche, but it's not like a Halloween episode of an otherwise non-Halloweeny thing. When you say the scary godmother, is that the, that was the awfully animated Cartoon Network special they aired every year? Because that's no, the only... No, <laughs> that was the beautifully watercolored comics illustrated and written by Jill Thompson that was then crudely adapted into a 3D animated <laughs> I travesty. I didn't realize that that was not an original, like, I that that was based on anything because for all of my life I've grown up, like, I grew up watching 
20 odd minutes of that here and there around the Halloween season because it was just constantly playing on loop on Cartoon Network. <laughs> Everything good in that movie was a bastardized version of there the was excellence good things that in is that the movie. comic. <laughs> I don't know. I haven't watched it. It looks horrible. <laughs> Read the comics. I Here's one thing that I will posit, and this is very new, so I can understand why it wouldn't come to us, uh, obviously, but um, The Batman is a Halloween movie. It takes Ooh. place at Halloween. Well, I mean, yeah, that's pretty, that's up there. We haven't yeah. had time to make it a tradition because it came out, like, what, last year? Uh, <laughs> but it's it's good as hell. It's a great Halloween movie. I'm on board with this. I, I think we should make it a Halloween tradition. I, yeah. I think that would be fun. Um, oh, my gosh. What? Uh, I found the X-Files episode. So season five, episode five, postpartum Prometheus. X-Files does Frankenstein. They took a lot of big stylistic swings with it. It ends up being really fun, and it's a little less scary than a lot of the other X-File episodes. Like, they do a little bit less of, like, goopy monsters and a little bit more of just, like, oh, we're kind of just doing the the Frankenstein movie, uh, but we put mm. Mulder and Scully in it. And it, it I remember it playing extremely well when I watched it the first time. And it's one of the few X-Files episodes that I'll, like, specifically go back to as opposed to just, like, putting on a random section. Although this is a great time of year to watch any of the X-Files. <laughs> um, but also, like, Aliens, great. Uh, yeah. Evil Dead 2, apparently, is really fun. Uh, a lot of, like, real... There's some... There are, like, four different colors of, like, paint-based uh, 80s blood in that movie. <laughs> It's excellent. Every God. time they he took a chainsaw to a new Evil Dead or whatever, there was a different color that came out of it. Huh. It was fun. It's a it's a gory, um, almost spoof on the 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 horror movie. Um, I'm a fan of the Summerween episode of Gravity Falls. Uh, mm. That one was pretty funny because they were like, "Look, I know we're making this take place over the course of one summer, but we want a Halloween episode. Damn it! <laughs> so so what if we have to invent our own holiday?" I'm sure there's a good Phineas and Ferb Halloween episode too. Probably. It takes yeah. place in the summer. Well, yeah, but similarly, they they have they have Swinter, which is uh winter and summer. <laughs> what? Yeah, summer yeah. winter, Swinter. Swinter. Oh my god. I missed the boat on over the, uh, on Phineas and Ferb and I feel so bad cause... That was the last cartoon where I thought, you know what? I am just barely old enough to appreciate this as it airs. Mm. And uh any cartoon that comes out like aimed for kids after this I'm going to be out. It's like when I read the fifth Percy Jackson book and I thought, mm-hmm. you know, for the fourth book, I like I was I was vibing with the humor this this year. I just I I think I might have aged out just of it. A little bit out, yeah. <laughs> the thing is, I feel like I'm, I'm running into like the, when I overanalyze something, it just sort of gets ejected from my brain. It's like, all right, we're done with this. And I'm like, <laughs> no, because I, I have such a fondness for. Uh, unreasonably dark episodes of otherwise fairly chill cartoons like that's one of my favorite like moments of oh shit we're going this dark this week okay like there's like like five different teen titans episodes that fall into that category uh and like only like three of them are about raven some of them are just about robin being angsty and slade being scary uh but like i can't remember any of them (laughs) i guess i could just go with like Hellboy's kind of got Halloweeny vibes, and oh, sure. uh, I think it's great. It's like perfect, like early two thousands cheese. Uh, practical effects: Ron Perlman doing his best acting under thirty pounds of latex, as always. Doug uh, Doug Jones, exactly the same story, except under sixty pounds of latex. Huh. <laughs> um, yeah, 
I feel like yeah. the thing with like the Halloween, like a Halloween season movie, like a, a spooky season movie for me is not just a straight up, like just having the horror label does not make me feel like it is in the festive spirit. Something like, exactly. I love Nope. I think it's a fantastic film. It, mm-hmm. It's not the kind of scary movie that I would qualify as a Halloween movie, even if I no, think it's, it's fantastic. No, it's just terrifying. Jaws is yeah. in the same boat. It's like, okay, this is not same necessarily boat. a spooky, <laughs> well, they needed a bigger one. Was the yeah, thing. Are you sure it's uh, the same boat? Sure, we need a bigger one? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, or like Jurassic Park. I, I guess anything where they have a monster that is not a monster and is just kind of like <laughs> is just kind of like a thing, like a shark mm-hmm, or a mm-hmm. dinosaur or nope. Uh, <laughs> Jean Jacket. Jean Come Jacket. On, say her name. Uh, I mean, put some respect on her. I had um Nando B movies on Movie Struck, and he did. That's hard to say. And uh, he did <laughs> Nope, and he has a great point about. He's like, oh, I watched Jaws and Nope, and they hit like the same beats at the same oh. time, and that's wow. a great like synchronized watch. And, like that's really fascinating. I I meant to go back and do that, but uh, huh. yeah, I feel like there's a certain air of spookiness that you need to also have to make it. Like I think Evil Dead works because it feels purposefully halloweeny in a way mm-hmm. that like nope does not but i would say that like the halloween vibe is a complex mix of a few different vibes uh and it, it all ties in with the mm-hmm. seasonal energy like okay a chill in the air the leaves are falling the seasons are turning you're very aware of the passage of time because like every day the trees are getting barer and winter's getting closer um but inside it's warm and it smells of spices and you're drinking cider and the lights are all orange like it's dark outside but there's candles you know that sort of thing it's it's all this like contrast and duality and, and liminal space uh, one of my friends like threatened to smack me the next time i use the term liminal space but i don't <laughs> think he's on this call so we're fine um but uh you end up with like this this feeling of coziness against the chill you know the specific Mm -hmm. kind of comfort when you're under a warm blanket but it's really cold outside so you can't just watch a movie that's just like deeply unpleasant and like terrifying to immerse yourself in it's got to be that combo it's got to hit that balance uh so something like hellboy which is an action movie with horror themes i think fits for the 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 season because it's got that combination of like yeah there's 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 dark stuff out there but also like friendship and big guns and stuff uh and <laughs> i completely fucking forgot about ghostbusters one of my all-time favorite halloween watches ah uh, yeah that that's bam, a similar bam. you know yeah it's good yeah it's, feel it's got bouncy like cheerful energy while they're dealing with random shit um, yeah. um but, and over the garden wall just captures that perfectly because it's it's just about it, it's the most liminal space the afterlife <laughs> <laughs> As we all know, episode by episode, a recreation of the circles of hell in Dante's Inferno. <laughs> One of these days, I got to bite the bullet and make that detailed diatribe. Or you can just continue to listen to me, Conspiracy Board. <laughs> well, we'll get to some other questions while you ponder your choices uh, on that one. Uh, this comes from Michi Hawkeye. Two red and blue, what video game was your favorite to play on stream? Brought this up because I've been listening to old live streams as background noise or white noise to fall asleep to. So what's your, not necessarily your favorite video game, but the favorite that you've on played stream. on stream? Not Hades. Uh, <laughs> oh boy. Um, Uncharted Four was pretty fun. I've got to say. Yeah. I enjoyed yeah. that one. Yeah, had a yeah. good good balance of just like gunplay and like oh the plot is happening let's riff on it. Yeah. Um, Gave us I, nice logical breakpoints throughout the stream where we could just like sit back and enjoy whatever Nathan was getting himself up to. I was a fan of the the one time where we were streaming together and we played Shadow of the Colossus and like handed oh, off the controller. God. That was a lot of fun. I think uh, that game is uh, on my list of like possibly one of the best 
pieces of art just created yeah. like the, one of the things that has the most good and the least wrong with it as it were um but uh i the things i've only really streamed on my end breath of the wild and tears of the kingdom and as like a whole your favorite children then <laughs> that's really what this feels like because in my head they're they're now completely linked you know they're they're it's ah. a link <laughs> between worlds you could say um, Anyway, but, you know, because they're in the same timeline. That's There's a six-year difference. To my mind, they are the same story. But of the two, I think I have just a little more fun playing Breath of the Wild on stream. Just because there's less of a barrier to entry. There's less linear plot that you have to get through to unlock the, the most open world stuff. Like, you basically need to finish the four dungeons of Tears of the Kingdom and then, like, the mid-game boss fight before it truly becomes a fully open world experience where you can just run around and, and recreate the starting feeling of Breath of the Wild. I'm not saying that's a bad thing. I'm just saying for the purposes of stream, that feeds the ADHD brain a little bit better. Just the ability to, like, bounce around and be like, ooh, what's over here? Guardians! Guardians are over here! <laughs> like, Tears of the Kingdom takes a little while to really wind up the nut punch, as it were. Um, also, <laughs> Breath of the Wild has Guardian Stalkers, and killing those is one of my favorite things to do, and Tears of the Kingdom <laughs> got rid of them, and I'm still sad. Uh, that said, I am still very excited to stream more Tears of the Kingdom. Uh, October 31st, we're doing probably Spooky. the uh, Zelda Come Pick Me Up, I'm Scared stream. Do you uh, have the skeleton armor prepared and ready to run around in the whole time? I do not. Uh, the aim is that we're going to be in the depths and we're going to be just getting all the armor sets we can find. Uh, costume party. Costume party would yeah. be good, yes. yes. Aside <laughs> um, from Uncharted 4, I'm trying to think of if there are any other ones that were particularly um, enjoyable. I really did have fun with the Pathless when we did that for the mm. end of year. That was a blast. Did you like Stray? I did enjoy Stray. Yeah. Um, I feel like there was just enough like going on subtextually that you need to like pay attention to the environment in order to pick up that just because of the fact that we were streaming it, I was not <laughs> in a like mental space call. to pick those things up so i probably did yeah. not get the full experience from stray i still had a lot of fun but there was definitely moments of like oh wait oh yes this is a very dramatic scene that i only realize now like as the thing is happening is a dramatic scene oh oops here i was <laughs> cracking dick jokes 30 seconds prior <laughs> well the cat doesn't know we're yeah, in character we're care. method acting yeah <laughs> we're the brain cells bouncing around in that cat's head <laughs> it was an orange cat we know nothing's going on upstairs. <laughs> I don't know. I've got a black cat, and I'm pretty convinced that she's got nothing going on upstairs most days. Um, yeah. Do you, Ziggs? No? Just a blank face. <laughs> Hanging out. Every time I see her, she's just got the most, like, you know those days when you're like, this might as well happen? <laughs> Being me is already so goddamn weird. Uh, we'll get to more questions. I'm going to knock this one out real quick. This is from not one of our lovely patrons. Question Wait, for Indigo. Wait, Spider-Man PS4. We streamed for Spider-Man oh, PS4. Was yeah. that up there? That was, that was yeah, that, that was a good one. We did that, yeah. um, that was a Habsies stream that we did with uh, Tim, because my copy of Horizon Zero Dawn... Uh, needed to reinstall from scratch for a stupid reason. <laughs> but yeah, sorry. Yes. Next question. <laughs> uh, question for Indigo. What's the brand of pen you settled on? You mentioned you found one I need to know. It is the Dully. Uh, oh, God. This one's been scraped off over the serial number. S656, I want to say. I don't know. It's a little blue guy. Ah. Pretty standard rollerball pen, but Cheeky I like these fella. guys. Um but uh, actual question for everyone on the podcast. This one comes from Powder Boy to all. On a scale from one to ten, how spicy do you like your food? Like a two. 
every time I'm like, I'll do mild. It's like, well, uh, my entire mouth is in pain now and I can't enjoy anything because the flavor is pain. So, uh, was this a scale of, uh, of one to 10 or one to five? One to 10. One to 10. Um, probably like a, like a, like a six, maybe I, um, I, I asked because, uh, there's a Thai restaurant that I, that I go to. And uh, one day I was I was a little sick. I wanted something to uh, to to cleanse me, mm-hmm. um, a little bit of like healing spice. So I, I called and was like, "Hey, I'm not gonna come and sit down. I'm just gonna pick up and, and go home. Um, I'd like something that's like hot, but not Thai hot, you know." And he's like, "Yeah. So just um, just to help you uh, choose, we have five levels of spice, and three is the highest you can go without pain." <laughs> Which means that not only is there a pain level of spice, there are two distinct pain <laughs> levels of spice that you can choose between. Oh, my God. I feel like like my tolerance for spice is higher when it's not specifically jalapenos. Because uh, something about it, like, it's got that combo of spice and bitter. And it just, mm. like, it hits and then it stays. And then it just tastes bitter, but in a way that hurts. And, like, yeah. it just sticks around for a while. I was gonna say like I have I think I have a pretty high spice tolerance and I like spicy food a lot like I would go as high as like eight I think anything beyond that and I'm moving into territory I don't like which is where it's only pain no flavor but you get some good flavor with some good spice like that if you don't get the spicier version of the food it will lack that extra little something but I'm really I have a high high tolerance for like Sichuan peppercorn mala kind of like numbing spice and if you go for like straight like pepper uh, I start to get worse and worse at my spice tolerance over time. Mm. Um, so I definitely like like Thai food, spicier Chinese food tend to be really good with. And then if I go into like Cajun American food, it goes downhill real fast for uh, Indigo in terms of how much spice I could tolerate. But it tastes so good. So you suffer <laughs> through it. <laughs> there, there really is a difference. And there's um, there's a cold take video by by Frost on Escapist talking mm. about the, the get good mentality on difficulty, mm. comparing video game difficulty to spice, where it's like you can have something that is just spicy or just difficult. Mm-hmm. But if it's just spicy with no flavor, it's not fun. And if it's, it's just difficult test. without the good like game design underneath it, it's not fun. So mm-hmm. yeah, there is a difference between just like on the axes of like spice and flavor. And when you mm-hmm. get more spice, you get more flavor out of it. I like for me that that's just Thai food all the way is like more spice, more flavor. It's directly proportional. There are some foods where it's like this is just spicy. Mm-hmm. And I'm not having fun. Yeah. So what I'm saying is I like it when my ramen has good game design in it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say my most hubristic trait is that I think I could probably like absolutely smash uh, the hot ones gauntlet. Like, take oh, it. Please. Let's, let's go. <laughs> please, let's do that. And by uh, that, I mean you guys. Should we do should it. do a stream where we just get the hot sauces. <laughs> and no. every time the chat donates to a certain goal, we have to eat another progressively spicier thing. Honestly? Honestly? It's not the worst idea in the world. <laughs> it's gonna be good. No, that is just, the worst idea in the world. I'm vetoing hear that. Our voices get flemmier and worse as the stream goes <laughs> oh, on. Oh, yeah. Uh, on the subject of things you shouldn't do if you're trying to like do good vocal delivery. Eat spicy Hot food. sauce. No. <laughs> the amount of times we've recorded Rolling with Difficulty moments after I consumed uh, the spicy chicken sandwich from Popeyes is uh, almost every episode of the show. <laughs> mm hmm. Mm-hmm. It's a, it's getting in character. Yeah. But we've got time for one last question here. And I think it's time we re- revisit something of a seasonal favorite of ours, an old familiar uh, foe, the time heist. This question mm. comes from Achilles 
who would you want to do an OSP Time Heist crossover with? Like how Scooby-Doo and Supernatural had one or how Sanrio does one uh. new one every month. So we've got the Time Heist franchise. We've got our movies, our cast, our score, etc. Several of them <laughs> at Several. this point. The lore is very deep We've and winding. We've reached the point oh, of yeah. like the newer animated Scooby-Doo's where they're just crossing over with anyone who will hang. Who do we want to cross over at the time heist with? Honestly, the Scooby-Doo Supernatural crossover wasn't bad. I was like, going to say, the Scooby-Doo Scooby meets Supernatural. Kiss was actually pretty good. So I feel huh. like maybe the Scooby-Doo ones are on to something. <laughs> maybe we maybe, cross maybe. over with Scooby-Doo. It feels like a good fit. I guess it's like, is there a historical drama that it would be fun to just crash? Outland. Uh, <laughs> it would be funny if we crash into the middle of a Shakespeare play. Mm. It's like Richard III's giving his speech and our ship just like lands on top of him. <laughs> it's like, oh, hey, what's this? I guess uh, I guess one of us is yeah. king now. The problem <laughs> with the time heist is we've already sort of reverse engineered any random episode of a middle season Star Trek show. Mm -hmm. So there's not really a crossover <laughs> to be had there. They've already met Amelia Earhart. They don't need us to show up to like facilitate that. But that would be a great excuse for us to meet them. That's like, the thing. Yeah. yeah. But then yeah. which Star I, Trek, right? Our good friend Amelia Earhart can introduce <laughs> us in the episode The 37s when she meets the Voyager crew. Oh, what, I, what I will also posit is uh, thinking on the Scooby-Doo axis, um, I would love a crossover where we have to solve a mystery with Batman. Hmm. Ooh. A time mystery. That would be pretty fun. But I feel like if you're going to do a time mystery, you got to do Batman Beyond. That would be more fun. <laughs> we get all the benefits of Batman, but also jokes sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> and also he's worse at solving mysteries. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, Terry's an idiot, but Bruce is still as sharp as ever. <laughs> uh, okay, yeah, we, we can yeah. still, we can bring old Bruce too. Of okay. course we bring, you, <laughs> we can get away with not bringing old Bruce. <laughs> If we're going in the let's solve a mystery direction for the, the crossover, I mean, it would be in keeping with the time high spirit to cross over several different mystery solving groups and people all at once. Like we go through time, we pick up uh, Sherlock Holmes, the Scooby-Doo gang, mm -hmm. Batman, and just like, you know, Columbo, I don't know, whoever we want. It's our rules. We can make it up. Uh, <laughs> and just everyone has to work together to solve the greatest mystery across all of time and space. That could be a lot of fun. Um, I okay, so I caught a single episode of Highlander the other day. Mm, um, there can only as be we one. all know, Highlander, the the classic uh, action movie from like the eighties about like there are immortals and they fight each other and one of them cuts off another one's head. They get struck by lightning and get their power and there can be only one. You know that that whole situation. They made a, a show uh, as like kind of a sequel to that, and um, the episode I caught was uh, I think it was called the Modern Prometheus, and um, apparently a recurring premise of this show is that certain historical figures were secretly immortals and are now kicking around in the modern day to have a sword fight with the main guy. Uh, and in this episode, the aforementioned immortal was Lord Byron, um, mm -hmm. who uh, we, we see in the past uh, in that one wild weekend where Mary Shelley decides to write Frankenstein. And in this one, she decides to write it because she, she meets the immortals and she's like, wow, how tragic to be forever alone, animated by lightning. And it's like, oh, oh, I see what you're doing here. So then she sort of goes off and writes Frankenstein. And then in the modern day, Lord Byron is like, like a, like a, you know, classic sex drugs, rock and roll type rock star doing way too many drugs because he's immortal and it's fine. Uh, and then he gets his head cut off, which was very cathartic for me. So what I'm saying is Highlander <laughs> crossover. We could have all the fun of like, we get the flashback to when we're in the past meeting him in like the 1600s. And then we get like the modern day where he's just still kicking around because he's immortal. Like the main guy is immortal. Uh, so, and also we'd have the best soundtrack because it's all scored by Queen. Hmm. 
Could be good. I feel like there's I don't no think any of us get to be immortal, to but it would be great to still have sword fights. <laughs> yeah, I don't think there's a wrong answer to this question. It does sort of feel like we're edging into self-insert fanfic territory, which is kind of what the time heist is yeah, danced the around the whole <laughs> way. That's all of these crossovers. <laughs> Welcome to the jungle. We have fun and games. We insert ourselves uh, <laughs> into existing stories. Yeah. Um, but a lot of great options. We are coming up on time. So for our final crossover event, um, Blue, could you take us out? <gasps> sure. Uh, thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Overly Sarcastic Podcast. We'll be back in two weeks with another exciting episode. If you missed us before, then feel free to head over to our YouTube channel and we'll uh, have a good old time. Until next time, I've been Blue. I've been Red. And, I'm and not, this has been an Overly mad. Sarcastic Podcast. That was I'm a not mad. This is so easy for you. <laughs> I don't like this. <laughs> I feel like I got a target on my back now. <laughs> but you're a natural. Stunning. Flawless. <laughs> Thanks so much for listening to this week's episode of the Overly Sarcastic Podcast. We'll be back on October 25th with another thrilling installment, but if you miss us before then, be sure to check out Overly Sarcastic Productions on YouTube. Got a question for the pod? Head over to Ask OS Pod on Discord for a chance for your question to be featured in a future episode. If you enjoyed the show, please rate us and leave a review on your preferred podcast platform. And if you really enjoyed the show, consider becoming a patron. Links to all that and more can be found in the show notes below.